Patrick, the Reverend Dr. Patrick Reyes, uh, author, activist, father, spouse, strategist, runner, writer, and, and most importantly, we're going to get to this, star watcher. That's right. Star is probably not the right thing. Constellation watcher. Constellations. That's right. <laughs> you got to. So just to give you all a little bit of a preview, a little foretaste of Glory Zavon, uh, uh, we're going to get to this. He um, is, and I'm just happy to call you friend. He is um, uh, with the Forum for Theological Exploration, uh, among other many things. And uh, we're going to post his bio. He has a um, his PhD from Claremont, his bachelor's from California State University, Sacramento. What was your bachelor's in? History, social movements. So, history, know. history too, man. Golly, I need to take a survey of my guests because there's been a lot of history majors. Um, uh, an MDiv from Boston U, and there's a master's and the PhD from Claremont. What was your master's right. at Claremont? It was just an MA in theology. Okay, just an MA. Okay, getting ready, getting ready to, right. to make it work. Just thanks for being here. He's calling in from, from home in Atlanta, sheltering, vaccinated, I hope. That's right. Yep, absolutely. Well, you know, two miles from the CDC, I hope that they take care of us indicator here. Yes, just, you know, free everybody, just in a little advertisement, get vaccinated. <laughs> we need everybody yes. vaccinated. Um Thanks for being here. And we're going to start, we're going to uh, jump into it really quickly and start with, I think, where you know, I start. And it's, it's kind of where the book, in a way, starts, you know, in terms of vocation and call, but in, in some new ways. Um, but I like to ask it the way Howard Thurman asked it is, um, um, what is it, Patrick, that is making you come alive? Because what the world needs are people who are coming alive. What is making you come alive these days? Yeah, I mean, you, you stirred it. Uh, Carmelita, <laughs> my daughter, I mean, part of when we're talking about um, just generational shifts, uh, one of the ways I've been introducing myself recently has been I'm sitting between generations of Carmelitas. You know, I was doing some mm. of that genealogical stuff. Like I had four. a dream. Yeah, I go back, I find a Carmelita. My grandma's name was Carmelita. I have a daughter named Carmelita, and I imagine there'll be in four or five generations, a Carmelita who carries our spirit. So I have just been enlivened by that. I, you know, the other thing I'll say, because this is, you know, for to make me human, I'm way too old to be taking up skateboarding. I just started doing it. And it's given me an excuse to learn from teenagers who both think it's hilarious I'm out there and really just dis they're disappointed that I can't be their mentor. Like I roll up and they're like, oh, it's an old dude. He knows how to do this. And nope, I'm, I'm here to learn, friends. So... That's been, that's been, it's been humbling and it's just making me really excited yeah. to be with young people. I love it. Like you got to get your balance. You got to get, now you're wearing a helmet, right, Patrick? Now I'm wearing a helmet, <laughs> but you know, they, they, they see me and they're like, Hey, can you show me some tricks? And I'm like, Hey, can you teach me how to turn? So like I can get home, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really at that point right now. So how, what is the steepest incline where, I mean, are you, are you, Oh, it's, it's my garage. I mean, it's barely, I mean, it's barely <laughs> okay. anything. It's something I can still jump off the board and feel confident that I can walk that fast. So, oh, wow. Uh, I love that you keep learning. I love that you keep yeah. learning S something. I really appreciate you and you, uh, it's in, it's in both books. The first book, um, 
folks, if you haven't seen it, nobody cries when we die, God, community, and serving, uh, surviving to adulthood, which in a way is, is worth reading before The Purpose Gap because it gives some context, um, although you give lots of context in the current book. But one of the things I really appreciate you, um, and you've expanded for me, um, Barbara Brown Taylor talks about in Altars of the World, this Christian practice of paying attention. I feel like you're my model for somebody who pays attention um, and uh, in, in ways. I mean, she has that image of being on the subway train and, you know, with glasses and looking across the aisle and kind of imagining. But you actually, I don't think she actually engages the person, but I love the story in The Purpose Gap where you have convened this group um, of scholars in Yosemite, National Forest yep. <laughs> of all places. No Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi. No, no electricity. Electricity. Uh, no heat. Uh, no hot water. Oh, I did, oh, wow. No hot water. And you, I mean, like I guess you do, uh, probably still, you got up to go for a run um, in the morning and you stop. You meet, see a couple who are staying in a cabin and you stop and you end up in a conversation with them. I mean, you're for an hour, even though you're convening this group of scholars like... Wow. And yeah. uh, maybe it was the coffee cup that got it was you. totally coffee. Let's be clear. There was no hot water. There's no electricity. They had coffee. There were park staff. You know, they're 20 some year olds that like the park was crowded. They had evacuated half the park when we were there. And um, they were the park staff that was left over and they had their little camping stove and they got the uh, oh. their coffee going. I was like, you know, hey, you want to <laughs> I, I, I would love a cup of coffee if that you're uh, pouring stuff. That's a good friend to have. That's, yeah. that's, that's biblical. He'll share, yeah. share a cup of water and cup of coffee makes it even better. That's right. <laughs> that's, that is beautiful. I mean, but you just really, I feel like paying attention and that may be part of what sort of starts, you know, empowering communities of color um, to find their meaning and thrive is it doesn't take much. I mean, you sort of model that in the book. I feel like how you pay attention to what you notice and how you engage others. Um, but it all, it's, it starts with, you know, once you start paying attention, <laughs> you see the disadvantages. This is, I mean, over and over again, I feel like you say like uh, the pulling up from your bootstraps, that doesn't work. I love the quote you have in there. Um, uh, I can't pull up my bootstraps if you stole my laces and my boots. Yeah. <laughs> Or something like yeah. that. <laughs> you know, and what I've learned, Lee, is I think that's really interesting about that quote. I know this when I was writing the book. So I talk about how stupid that is a, as a concept, like you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. When you, when I found out what it actually is about, it's about like using your bootstraps to get over a fence. Like you're supposed to do it. It's already ridiculous in the very beginning. Like you can't literally do it. It's always meant that. So like the fact that we use that as something that people should do, it has never made sense. Wow. Ah, well, there you go. Um, and it's time to revise and That's maybe right. take that out of our vocabulary. Um, um, so I have to say this, um, friends, just reading the book, which they're, the, the kudos are amazing. Um, uh, I love this. Janet Wolf, I don't know her with the nonviolent organizing um, part of Children's Defense Fund. She says, I see your violence. Uh, and I will raise you hope and love. I feel like that's what this book is about. It it sees the violence, it sees the disadvantage, 
um, and it raises you hope and love. I mean, the, the image I have actually is from your first book where you go out for a run um, one morning uh, in, in a farming sort of area, maybe near Salinas where you grew up. Right. I, and, yep. and, and you look across to the horizon, sort of the sun is rising in the mist or something. I'm just remembering this in my mind. Um, and you see some people working and you recognize one of the workers as somebody you went to school with. Yeah. <laughs> it almost yeah, chokes me school. up. It almost chokes me up to think about it. You know, I mean, you're at that point, maybe in your PhD program or something like that, realizing like some tremendous, you, you've figured out some ways, people, it's not just you, you've had others who've helped you get over the, this gap, um, but he didn't. And, and that was a realization, right? I mean, is, am I describing That's absolutely that? right. No, you're, you're spot on. I mean, I think uh, to give uh, folks who don't know me, I mean, part of it is I'm from California, Salinas, California, agricultural, uh, Chicano majority of Latino community. I'm Chicano you know, really thinking through, um, we're an education desert, you know, like folks don't leave, we stay where we are, there's no major university, um, less than a percent of a percent have a graduate degree in anything. And so here I am, uh, because of my grandma, you said making space and paying attention, my grandma made space and paid attention to um, how I might thrive. And one of the things that going from the first book, Nobody Cries to the second book was really about like, in the first book, I mean, it's, a come, it's essentially a coming of age, spiritual autobiography, memoir, right. kind of making sense of my theological training and trying to say God calls us to live because so many of my friends didn't right. make it. Right. Um, and this next book is really about, well, I don't want to be the exception to the rule. Right. I want to rewrite the rules so that way we right. can, all th can thrive. Right. Not just survive, but thrive. That's right. This, yeah. yeah I absolutely. mean, and I think that's, that's a beautiful thing. And it's, um, it reminded me, very formative for me, um, is what Sharon Delos Parks um, uh, work around mentoring communities, not just mentors, but mentoring communities and it's group, it's, it's put, putting together those resources. And, and for you, that's not just people. Um, and as a good Presbyterian, I noticed you thanked a lot of Presbyterians, but I also noticed, I think one of the proudest things that makes me a Presbyterian is a commitment to public education, public libraries, public parks, those places have also been part of sort of um, the fertile soil, literally, that has helped form you. Is that right? I Absolutely. Mean <laughs> I mean, I, in this next book, I mean, I mean, in The Purpose Gap, I talk about the public libraries where our, you know, my son's deaf in one ear, mm. partially deaf in the other one. And that's where we go to get services. That's where, you know, the, the wow. in Everett, um, in Washington, where I was serving as assistant dean, that's where the majority, and similar to where I am in Decatur, it's where the majority of the folks who were experiencing homelessness um, would spend their days. And uh, my kids know everyone on our block by name. And that's only wow. because of public services like the public libraries and public parks. I mean, I say, um, you know, in the Purpose Gap, I mean, thank God for my dad that he took us he, to them. He took uh, you to Yosemite Park. That, yes, he, that he was, did. That was he opened up my imagination. You know, like part of this, this, um, these spaces, these public spaces can give us a sense of a belonging community that is bigger than ourselves and bigger than our own community. And we don't stop and like appreciate those. those I feel like enough. I mean, we're starting to do it in the pandemic as people get outside and spend right. a little bit more time outside. But I do think that these public spaces, I mean, it's one of the greatest goods that, you know, no one person can 
own a, well, I mean, people do own beaches, but they can't own the beaches <laughs> that I went to growing up. You know, like part of this is right. about sharing the collective good for the common good. One, 100%. Yeah. I love the story. And it's, I mean, yes, it cost you the gas and the time, you know, a way to get to that public park, the food that you would buy and the $15 tent fee. I mean, this is not, this is not a hundred dollar, $200, you know, hotel fee. I mean, and you could really what you I, I love that you I had this kind of image of you as a kid I don't know how old you were when you uh when that happened that you kind of laid back and looked up at the night sky you know so it was it's not the sun the one star right it's this constellation that you saw in a um you're not in the city anymore right kind of uh context and that that you say that's like the most memorable moment of your life or something like that which yeah, is it it is I mean part of the um you know, these, uh, one of the themes in the book is that I have a commitment to, you know, not picking out stars, the exceptions to the rules. It really is about how do we look at constellations and take inventory? How do we celebrate the, the folks that we have in our communities that are doing good work? And I remember when I took those, there were deans, presidents, and scholars to Yosemite. And the day before they all got there, I went for a run. Now, granted, there was a fire going on. And I mean, all kinds of craziness was happening in California at the time. And I go for a run and I get behind this really large boulder. And you know, I call my dad. I said, Dad, let, can I FaceTime you? Which is the cool thing about technology right now that we can right. do this. And I go, do, is this where you would take us when we were little? And he goes, oh, yeah, I remember that. You know, like like all the sights and smells all came back. And it was one of those experiences that, you know, he could give us that was not, you know, a trip to Europe. Like I'm learning right. about my right. colleagues when I went to, um, you know, college and, and seminary experience, like these extravagant uh, pieces. It was really him just taking us up for a three and a half hour drive and me just thinking like, wow, this is amazing mm -hmm. that I have access to these stars to be able to look right. up the night sky with no light pollution. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. Um, right. And did y'all have a rhythm of like going to the library also? I mean, at that point, it wouldn't may have been Wi-Fi access. You're a lot younger than me, but yeah. <laughs> now I mean, uh, we, <laughs> we had great libraries. You know, Sister Chavez Library was one of uh, uh, my favorite places in uh, Salinas. Um, you know, our school library uh, went to John Steinbeck Elementary School. You know, from Salinas, get a little elementary school. Our local library um, librarian, and who, he was from uh, Salinas, and he was from Salinas that's right. too. That's right, and. Um, you know, our librarian there would, uh, I would check out books and she would take my hats because we weren't supposed to wear them inside. So we had a nice little exchange of public goods. You yes. Know, usual stuff. Right. Beautiful. I just want to welcome a couple of folks, Mike Ferguson, Mark Peake, who's a California guy who's uh, said his father-in-law took up surfing and skateboarding at 60. That's right. <laughs> Mark, I need some lessons then. <laughs> you're, you're ahead of the game, man. You're ahead of the game. Um, uh, so I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Um, I never, I started to say this a minute ago. One of my favorite parts of this book are like the first, like, I guess it's maybe, I feel like it's 10 pages. It's not that long y'all, but it's the acknowledgements, the way you acknowledge starting with your family and starting with an apology. Like <laughs> you felt like you didn't show up places. I mean, it really touched me. Um, and then you talk about your cousins, your grandma, Carmen, um, you talk about your colleagues uh, who inspire you, um, the courage that you see in them. It's just, it's just a beautiful thing. Your freedom fighters. There's, there's a whole list, this, this thing about with Dale Andrews. I mean, um, who, 
who came to your life just as a seminary student, pissed off about the distance that you were from your community and curriculum and took you um, across the river to a picket line. And I can hear his voice saying this too, a booming voice, the people united will never yeah. be defeated. I mean, yeah. these, this is, you're starting to shape in this acknowledgement page, the constellation. This is your constellation. Am I, Absolutely. am I right? <laughs> Absolutely. I say yeah. to, you know, I work, get to work with a lot of uh, scholars of color. It's one, one of the things that's in my portfolio FT. I absolutely adore it. And I always say, you know, write the acknowledgements first because none of us get here without the people uh, around us. And I just, I think of when I was writing um, this purpose gap, which was all about, you know, community. How did we, how do we build communities of support and, um, so that way future generations can thrive. And this is only possible because of the folks in my life. And that apology I offer just for folks who are um, curious about it is really about um, when we, we, when we sacrifice everything for our vocation and call in the U S I just feel like we've been taught a sense of purpose means I got to find my thing. Like I'm the only thing that matters, you know, everyone else I'm sacrificing. Everyone else has got to point in that direction and I was doing that. I was on that wheel trying to make a difference in my community, um, experience my call. And, you know, I missed my uncle's funeral. My uncle was with me every single step of the way my whole entire life. One of my biggest supporters, um, he died too early, you know, and I missed, I, I literally missed his, his funeral because I was pursuing what I thought was my vocation and call. And what a, what a backwards way to think about vocation and call, if not to be with those that you love most. Um, throughout your life. And I just felt like this is one of those moments that, um, you know, I really need to be, I need to take a better inventory of what does it mean to live into vocation, to purpose right. and to find meaning. It's, it's with our people. Amen. And that's something anybody can do. Um, that's right. Um, but particularly for communities of color, I think it's really helpful. I mean, there's been a lot um, thanks to Lily Endowment, among others, you know, about call, thanks to FTE um, and others, you know, discerning vocation has become a, a very important question for Presbyterians. I mean, it's in our baptismal vows. I mean, um, I literally wrote about it for my DMIN thesis. It's something that I really matter about. What, what you say is, you know, that's good and nice. <laughs> you know, you can do anything. You, you can say that to a white guy. You know, yeah. um, but not necessarily the same would be true, um, or definitely not the same would be true uh, for um, many communities and persons of color, especially. And so there, there's the, describe that gap. There's a gap. You have images of this from sort of where you are to where God is calling you, this opportunity place. There's this, that you can't, you can't really navigate on your own, right? I mean, That's maybe right. just. So you describe some of the violence and some of the disadvantage. Um, maybe you want to say something about that. Yeah, I mean, I try to take inventory. I was taking that phrase. You, what do you want to be? You can be anything you want when you grow up. Like this kind of like thing we tell our kids all the time. And why for uh, kids of color, kids out of my community, that's just not true. Like it's mm -hmm. statistically mm -hmm. not true. It's not a factual thing you can tell folks. And and the, the, um, the things that I was wrestling with is we, I knew that growing up. Like kids know that, you know, when you don't see adults going off and being scientists and, you know, rocket right. science, you know, rocket scientists, when you don't see them um, living. There's into, a few stars. There's a few little stars here and there. They but, are. But. And, and if you're in a community like the one I grew up in, 
they're not around. They, there's a brand, literal, uh, you know, a Bloomberg has a brain concentration index. People are right. extracted out of your community and lifted yeah. and put into communities, major metros, you know, communities with high wealth, high opportunity. And that's just one person. And that's not, that's mm-hmm. not the rules that we live by. That's not changing mm-hmm. the conditions that many of us face. And so mm-hmm. I was trying to take inventory of this. When I say to say my son, my wife is Jewish Mm-hmm. Um, Jewish and, and, you know, Native American, Mescalero Apache, um, wow. her mom. And so when I say this to my, when my kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? We have to keep the Shoah in mind. We have to keep the genocide against, um, first nations, indigenous people on these lands. Um, like this is, that's a reality at, you know, the violence experiencing on the border. When my son says, uh, I've read this in the book, ask me, do I have to hide being Latino? Because, mm. He's in the South. He's seeing what's happening on the thing. He sees how his neighbors are talking about us at the border and he's worried for his life. I mean, his ability to imagine a future has been impacted. Right. Um, And he has opportunities. Absolutely. More than I had and definitely more than my dad had and my grandparents had. But at the same time, that that impact on the imagination, um, I wanted to start there. We have a different starting place. That's not to say that other literature isn't great. It's absolutely great. But uh, we do have a different starting place. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so, uh, it's, it, it, the book is about, and I love you make this promise that by the end of the book, you'll understand how to close this purpose gap folks. That's okay. worth, that's worth the read. I've not finished. I'm almost, I'm almost there. Um, but it's, I, I do think it is, um, it seems to be about, uh, identifying these constellations as one of the keys okay. here and helping others identify there's are being part of a constellation and that actually feels empowering. Like it's not just up to me, but it's up to us. I mean, this is, this is good ecclesiological work. It seems like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lee. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm guessing your <laughs> audience is similar to mine, which is pastors and scholars. Yes. And I'm not saying that we are the, uh, the most um, egotistical, but we tend to want to seek the pulpit, you know, like when yeah. is it my turn to pray or preach, it? preach man, yeah. Come on, bring it. <laughs> And part of this has been a culture shift around like, how do we really take serious that I am not supposed to be the star of this show? Right. Like I am supposed to bring my people along. I'm supposed to have a broader array. That changes how I live. That changes how I eat. That changes Mm -hmm. how I set the table. I mean, it's, it really is a different way of being. And it's hard because there's, there are folks, even that I work with who are some of the most liberative people who just can't let that sort of, it's my turn to mm-hmm. be in charge. Why can't I be the big cheese today? And that's a really, really hard thing to let go of to say we're trying to we're trying to do something different and design a different mm-hmm. way to be together. And for me, that's great. And, and for me, I, I also feel like as a Latino, as a Chicano, from what my grandma taught me, that's in our blood. That's how we have been. That's how she gathered us at the table. She didn't say everyone's in my house. These are my rules. She said, as you cross over a threshold, I'm glad you're here, Mijo. If right. you came to her house, Lee, she'd be like, Lee, I'm really glad you're here. Can I make you something to eat? Sit down <laughs> and start talking to my aunts and uncles. And I mean, it, it really was a, a place where community thrived. And mm-hmm. I think if we could get back to that in our right. Um, right. sort of work um, as scholars, mm-hmm. as religious folks, as people who are leading this, the, the moral voice of this country, right. Right. we could be restoring humanity. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's just love. I love it. Right. It's true. It's, it's not just about for me thriving. It's about you, uh, we right. thriving. Um, right. 
you tell a story, gosh, I wish uh, I could meet your grandmother. <laughs> um, you tell the story, I think your cousin had passed away and you're in her home and um, she gives you his bed. Um, okay. And But there's a holy conversation around that. I mean, this is just a normal, I mean, it's like having a meal, getting a bed at your grandmother's house, That's right. but she took it to the next level. What did she tell you about that bed? <laughs> Miho, we're glad you're here. That bed doesn't belong to you. I mean, here's the thing about my grandma. She raised not just me, she raised my dad's whole generation. And he's one of a bunch. Let me just say right. it's, it's a, it's a lot of people with all of his cousins and all that stuff. And then our generation, and I was living there as a teen and I, you know, I was loving it. I was the only one in, like when I came in, it was just, everyone else had dispersed and he had come in and she was very clear. And, and when he passed uh, a couple of years ago, um, that just came rushing to my mind around like, you know, the survivor's guilt of that. Like she, in that moment told me that, you know, Hey, <laughs> you may not be used to this Patrick. You haven't been around us that much, but like, that's not your room. That's not just your bed. This is, that's for the whole family. And it was a really kind of grounding moment for me to realize what mm -hmm. she was doing was bigger than me. I was thinking I'm special. Like she loved me more than everyone else. I, you know, if my cousins are listening, I think she did. I will, I will pick <laughs> them up on that. But I do, I do think she was doing something um, really special and that she loved a whole community. And right. if you, I mean, you went to her funeral, you go back to Bakersfield and that's what people will tell you. Everyone felt special in her presence and loved. And that's, that's what I'm trying to scale at FTE. That's what I'm trying to build in my family. So okay. I'm trying to build in my local community here is if I can lift my grandma up so that you can meet her, Lee, that to me is a life well lived. Yeah. Okay. Whew, now I feel like I'm meeting her. <laughs> Low Carm Carmen. Carmen. Yep. Yep. Carmel. There that's some that's biblical, isn't it? That's biblical. Beauty. Yep. Yep. Man, it is a beautiful God. How did our time is going fast here? Um, I want to thank uh, Terry Ott also who joined us um, and others. We're glad you're here. Um, um, if, if there are questions or comments you want me to put in here, there is so much, y'all, in this book. It would be great for a group to read. But what's wonderful, each section has, or actually within subsections, like great questions. Um, uh, where would you go to see stars? What constellations exist in your life you can't, the world cannot see? What distractions do you have to turn off, to leave behind, to see the beauty available to you? I mean, there's some great questions. That's, I mean, I, I guess good theological thinkers like you, um, you know, ask really great questions. And there's really great ones here that you have to kind of sit with, run with, walk with. Um, but they help, I feel like, Patrick, help us all to pay attention more. And um, I am, I am, I am more deeply your ally now than ever <laughs> and look forward to continuing doing this work with you and grateful for your book. Um, folks, there's a website we're going to post in. I think it's just the purpose gap.com or dot org. Right. Uh, com. Dot com. Um, please learn more about Patrick, learn more about the forum for theological exploration as well. It's a wonderful resource and innovation hub uh, incubator. <laughs> it's a, it's a great place, um, uh, and get engaged there. Um, what else, what else, uh, would you like for folks to know about Patrick before we wrap up? You know, you can check out the, if you want to go to see FT stuff, ftleaders.org. It's not just me. It's a whole team of doing a crazy, uh, crazy cool things. I acknowledge all of them, in there, but 
Yeah, I mean, it is a great, great organization. Our president, Stephen Lewis, uh, my colleague, Christina Repley, are just leading all this uh, change in the in the entire community. So I just I'm I'm deeply grateful for where I exist. It's it's a good place Amen. to work. Well, I hope your work, your your the Nobody Cries When You Die was the Children's Defense Fund um, book club read in September 2019. I hope more book clubs, small and large, all across the country will pick up both of these books. I engage with you with FTE. Um, and um, uh, looking forward to crossing paths with you soon. Um, I know you also have been involved with the Hispanic Theological Initiative. We didn't even get to talk about you're on the board for ARC. The, tell me what that means. Art, religion, culture. Art, religion, culture, great resource and organization. Um, you know, so get to know Patrick, and thank you, Patrick. Prayers for you, uh, for your, who you are, what you represent, the way you got us lead us. I, I give thanks to your part of my constellation of mentors uh, to show me the way and open up new doors and insights. Uh, your smile is uh, really a place of joy for me. Okay. <laughs> and um, prayers for Asher and, and, and Carmelita as well. And, and your wife, um, now her name is escaping, Karen, Karen and um, Carrie. Karen. Right? Karen. Um, thanks so much. I want you to I wish you would bless us before we go, but let me invite folks to come back um, in two weeks. Um, I'll have, I don't, I don't know if you know her, um, you probably do a theological ethicist out at Claremont, um, Grace Cow yeah. is going to be with us uh, to talk about, um, you know, here in Asian American Pacific Her uh, Islander Heritage Month, uh, I think is good around Asian American theological ethics, which sadly enough is um, more needed now <laughs> maybe than ever before um and she's a great person to help us uh frame those discussions hope you'll join us um leading theologically on the podcast we'd love your reviews as well um but patrick could you send us away um as we go i will uh, before i do lee what's a name of a beloved ancestor of yours a a blood ancestor um, beloved beloved, beloved ancestor beloved. um Golly, there's so many, but I'll say today, the one who taught me to tie bow ties is my, is my grandmother. Her name, I called her Nana. Her name was Sarah Lamar Everett. Sarah Lamar Everett? Uh -huh. mm -hmm. All right. All right. As I send us off, um, as Nana Sarah Lamar Everett meets Carmelita, may you and I, Lee, join them as great ancestors, good ancestors, and meet our descendants as their ancestors, building a better world for love, justice, and peace in the world. And for all those listening, may you do the same. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, That's beautiful. Oh, that kind of touched me right there. I can see it now. Mm -hmm.